You're listening to a message from Oaks Church, Brooklyn. Our longing is to see heaven come to earth in our city. For more information on our church and community, please visit oaksbk.church. We're going to come into our teaching text today and get ready to hear from God from the reading of the word. Ephesians 6.18 And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Friends, we're here. Uh, if, you're, if you're new here, to this community, this was your first day or first couple of days. Um, we are in this the series called The Good Way. We started it last week, and I know a lot of us maybe have been traveling, but uh, The Good Way is, is kind of, it is, it is essential, it is the rail on which this community runs, right? Uh, it, it really defines the way we organize this community, uh, what constitutes being a part of this community. Uh, you will not be able to escape it. And so we are spending the next eight weeks, we started last week, but we're spending the eight weeks unpacking exactly what the good way is. And if you weren't here, I'll just remind you that essentially the good way is the way that we as a people are are ordering our lives so that we may have intimacy with Jesus. The way we are ordering our lives so that we can have intimacy with Jesus. Uh, there's another term for the good way. It's, a, it's an old, old Christian term. It's called rule of life, uh, which oxymoronically uh, does probably not mean what you think it means in this day and age when we hear rules and we think like a list of things we should do. But this is more like a trellis. Think a trellis for life. It is the, the way in which we order our lives. You already have a rule of life. There are certain habits that you keep so that you can be the person that is most at peace with yourself. For some of you, that means when that new show came out on Netflix, you wait until all the episodes are released and then you watch it. Some of you, I would say the more sociopathic among us, watch it week to week. Uh, However you get down, I don't mean that, I'm sorry. Uh, We all have a way in which we do things. Some of us brush our teeth and then we shower. Some of us shower and then we brush our teeth. It's just kind of the way we, we do it. And, and some of us do that with, with deep intention, right? There, there's, a, there's a reason why we've done the things we, we do and we do the things that we do. And for others of us, uh, we've been doing it for so long that we've, also, we've actually kind of lost the intention part. It's just, I don't know, that's just how you do things, right? And for others of us, we're just kind of here. <laughs> and there was never really intention in the way that we lived, and there's not intention now, but life just kind of keeps happening, and we'll just kind of do what we do until something influences us into a different way of living. But what we believe as a community is that the best way to live is to live with some intention, that the best life is an examined life. That our lives are are too precious 
to just leave to happenstance in the whims of influence. And so this is why we set out to have a rule of life. The practices that we keep that help us to become human. Uh, there's this theologian, Ray Carr, uh, and he had this, this, this quote uh, uh, recently with him, and he, and he said, biblical faith is not about being religious, i.e. keeping some set of orthodoxy, uh, believing these certain things, uh, doing these certain uh, things to be found holy. Biblical faith is not about being religious, it's about being radically human. But to be human includes God and the religious things you do properly situated. I'll say it one more time. Biblical faith is not about being religious. It's about being radically human. But to be human includes God and the religious things you do properly situated. This is what the good way is about. It is situating God and the religious things we do in a way that brings intimacy and not piety. That fosters a relationship with the God and not blind devotion to some ethereal standards of, of ethics and morality. So we have all these practices. There's eight of them for our community. And in these eight practices, and they'll be on the screen here in a second. Uh, again, these, these eight practices are really just the ways that we as a community have looked into the scriptures and say, man, these eight things, you can't, really, you can't really avoid them. That if we want to be fully human, radically human, then we have to bring some intention to these eight ways, these eight things of living in our lives. We need some sort of, 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 of habits in our lives, practices that, that not just put us in the flow, not just influences the way we live, but most importantly, they provide intimacy with Jesus. Because again, it's about a relationship. So in the same way at night, I roll over on the pillow and I have pillow talk with my wife because we can just develop our relationship. How was your day? Our son is crazy, right? Yes. Uh, we need it so we can stay in check. We have very busy lives and so we need, we need those, those 15 minutes, those 30 minutes to just foster our connection. It's a practice that we keep. Likewise, we keep these practices to bring that same sense of intimacy and relationship into uh, how we connect with God. So that's what we're doing. That's what we're about. That's what we're spending the next eight weeks. This is like part one. There's a second part of this that happens every week for the next eight weeks right after this, this gathering. And it's really kind of key to, if you're going to be a part of this community, maybe you're just here for the Sunday, and that's okay. You're, you're more than welcome to get in where you fit in. Um, but if you're planning on sticking around for a while, and if you're planning on being a part of this, I would, I would deeply encourage you to stick around for another hour. And that hour is going to be about taking the things we, we explore in the scriptures in this first hour and, and asking, what would that look like in a practice? What would that look like as a rule of life? We're talking about prayer. 
And this is kind of, this is the core practice. It's the reason it's first, because all these practices speak to one another. Uh, and, and so we have to actually start with the prayer part. And I'm curious, though, in a room this size, in a city like this with so many different experiences, how do you define prayer? I'm literally curious. So you, some of you can tell me. What, what is prayer? Talking to God. Thank you, Brandy. Anybody else? Meditation? Oh, what was that? Listening to God? Okay, I see you contemplative. Uh, what was that in the back? Requests. Yeah. Honesty. What was that? Manifestation? Oh, no. I wasn't judging it. I was just making sure I heard it right. Manifestation. Okay, last one. Somebody else. What is prayer? Presence? Gratitude. Presence and gratitude. Okay, all right. I can work with this. I think what I'm hearing is that prayer is a lot of things. But I would hear in each of those things, there involves some sense of mutuality, some sense of, of conversation, some sense of, of discourse, relationship, if you will. And I like that because that's what I planned. That's what I have here. Um, there's... Our teaching text for today says this. I'm going to remind you, it comes from the book of Ephesians and, and the apostle Paul is writing and he says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kind of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. So a couple of background for those of you who may not be familiar, apostle Paul, he's, you know, the Scotty Pippen of the faith. I was going to say Michael Jordan, but I think that has to be Jesus. Um, <laughs> I don't know. But uh, <laughs> the Apostle Paul has written a lot of the New Testament. And he set out to explain the faith. He was one of the chief missionaries at the, at the start of the Christian faith, at the start of the church spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, from from Eastern Asia on into Turkey, on into Europe, and it eventually spreads all over the world. And so he had started this church in the city of Ephesus, uh, which was a vibrant community, right? It was a, it was a cosmopolitan city. There was, there was really a lot of people who had become fascinated about this gospel of Jesus Christ. And so a church is planted after Paul has spent two, two and a half years there with them. And then later he goes on and he's been arrested and he's in Rome. And he's, and he's under arrest and he's writing to all these churches that he's founded. And so to the church at Ephesus, they were really, they were his spiritual children. He held them like a father. And so he's writing this letter to them, not necessarily to address any uh, malfeasance or any sort of conflict in the church, the reasons why he writes some other epistles, but he is writing to them to, to really codify and to remind them of the faith in which they have entered. Paul is writing the epistle to the Ephesians because he's saying, hey, this is the whole thing that you need to know. 
And when you look at the book of Ephesians, it's really kind of two parts. It's chapter one and chapter three, and then chapters four through six. But really, when it talks about the faith, Paul is describing the what. What is this faith that you have entered? And the so what? Okay, I get all the beliefs and why, what this is, but what does that mean for my life? And so when Paul writes the first half of his letter, he's writing about this, this is what this faith is. And if I could sum it up, we could read in chapter one at the beginning of his letter. And I love Eugene Peterson, how he translates this in the message. He says, he, speaking of God, God set it all out, meaning everything, the whole, this whole faith, God set it out before us in Christ, a long range plan in which everything would be brought together and summed up in him everything in deepest heaven, everything on planet earth. It's in Christ we find out who we are and what we are living for. That's the whole point of this, that there is a God who architect this world and this God has given us his son, Jesus. And through Jesus, everything, the earth, the people, all things material and immaterial are finding their, their, their purpose and their place in Jesus. Okay, but so what? Well, this is where Paul spends the back half of Ephesians. And we find this in chapter four, verse 14. It says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you in light of all this, this talk of what the faith is to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. So Paul explains the faith. The faith is about all things being reconciled to Christ, all things being put, as we talked about a few weeks ago, in harmony. And then, in light of that invitation, live in harmony. Rid yourself of the disharmony that is in your life. And you do that through relationship with Jesus. So this is where we get our teaching text today because as Paul starts to go through how we should live, he, I'm not gonna go through it for sake of time, but as he moves through chapters four through six, it starts communally. Paul starts talking about unity and then he talks individually. He goes into this, this delineation of an old self and the new self and this is how we should live. And then he kind of gives some fine print of the Christian faith. He starts in chapter six where he talks about, hey, I know I'm talking about how you should live, but don't be fooled. This is really hard because you have forces in this world that don't want you to live in harmony. And so you're going to need to take some precautions. And he goes through all these things that you should put on, this armor of God that helps you stay in harmony as you get in harmony with the one who brings all things together. And then finally, as he's wrapping up his summation, we get to verse 18. So Paul's basically saying, if you get nothing about what it means to both know this faith and to live this faith, let me just leave you with this. Pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. This is how Paul sums up his letter. And this is how we begin to order our lives through prayer. 
This is why when Paul says, I want to call your attention to this phrase, on all occasions. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions. And so Paul is talking about prayer as something that is inherent to and intrinsic to our daily lives in every situation. No matter what you're facing, orient yourself around prayer. This becomes our habit. This becomes our rule of life. So, what are these prayers? What does it mean to pray in the Spirit with all kind of prayers and requests? Okay, so if you weren't here a couple weeks ago, uh, we were wrapping up a series on wisdom, and uh, I was using this metaphor of, of harmony to describe essentially the, the story of God, the Christian faith. And we talked about how essentially, and I, I will, you can go back and listen to that podcast, there's less audio issues. Um, but essentially what I was saying was that, that the whole Christian life is essentially about coming into harmony with the way things were. Think boys to men, right? Boys to men is a fantastic understanding of the gospel of Jesus. Um, there's something I, I, I didn't share uh, is that boys to men has meant a lot to me in my life, okay? Uh, so when I was, was uh, probably starting when I was like 12 or 14, uh, especially as I'm moving into like the upper levels of, of high school and the need for, for popularity is paramount, I had a rhythm every night uh, which was first of which was to shower. I was on point for a pubescent, like, male. So first to shower. Uh, then the second, I would, I would put, like, some of you won't know this, but I had to put the grease in my hair to get my waves and my do-rag on. Um, thank you. Some of y'all are with me. And so I, I, I had my mom's old, like, stocking that I tied up. And so I'd brush my hair. And then here was... Here was the part that really set my next day up. I would go into my room, I'd put on my Walkman, and I would sing all the parts of the harmony to Boys to Men. <laughs> Legacy, greatest collection. Every night. <laughs> I'm not It was my rule of life. And you laugh, but honestly, I could not think of a better way to explain to you prayer than this practice. And here's what I mean by that. As I was sitting with the Lord to say, okay, we're talking today about what, how prayer forms us, what prayer can do to bring intimacy with you, how prayer serves as a rule of life, how do I explain this? Well, there were three forms of prayer, three, three modes of prayer, three, three uses of prayer in the life that really stuck out to me. One was conversing, one was expressing, and one was prayer as a guide. Conversing. This is kind of conversing and to learn. See, I would, I would go into my room, and I would practice because there was no cooler men on planet Earth than Nathan, Sean, Michael, and Wanye. I wanted to live like them. If I had been successful in learning to sing like them through all my practice, I would never speak another word. I would sing everything if I sounded like boys to men. And so my thought was 
that every night as I put on this CD and as I practice singing in their way, I will start to get better at sounding like boys to men. I wanted to learn to be like them. And the only way I was going to learn was by practicing. And the only way I was going to practice was was by being in conversation. It didn't quite work because they weren't talented enough to make me talented. Um, But thankfully, prayer is different. Some of you talked about prayer as, as listening and talking, making requests. Prayer serves as a conversation. It's the way in which we learn the way of Jesus, the most human person. There's actually this this verse in the Gospels where Jesus is teaching all his followers what it means to truly be human. And then he gives them this simple invitation. I've put it on the screen. It says this in Matthew 11. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Take my yoke upon me and learn from me. How does prayer do that? We become like the company we keep and the people we talk, the people we converse with. And so there is these two parts to a conversation. There is the listening. This is where we're, we're receiving the heart of another, receiving, receiving their ideas, their thoughts, their perspective. And then there's that conversing where we are relaying back to them how we see. And through that, there's this, this reciprocity and this mutuality. And so in Jesus, as we talk with him, what begins to happen as we listen and as we talk, we start to understand and see the world in a different way. Jesus says that this way is a place of rest. And this is radical, particularly in our Western society. My wife and I had a conversation uh, a few weeks ago just about how, um, you know, we have all this, this technology in our lives that was supposed to make our lives easier and simpler. And yet what it did was actually just like make it so we work longer. You know, it's like, well, I guess I don't have to make my own mayo now, so I should probably send another email for work. I don't know. <laughs> but do you feel me? You understand what I'm saying? Our lives are so much easier than they were a hundred years ago. And what do we do with all that free time? Just try to produce more and work more. And I think there's something intrinsic about that, innate about the human experience, because I think one of the things we misunderstood with all this technology 
Well, there was this false assumption that the best way to be a human was to like not do anything, was to get our lives to a place of a full freedom where we could just sit around. But if you've ever sat around for too long, you know that it's actually not quite fulfilling. But where we've missed the mark is that we don't understand that there is a way to work that isn't about production, a way to work that is about rest. And that's the way of Jesus. The way of Jesus is such that he did many things, but he didn't do them because he needed to make something of himself. He did them out of the overflow of who he was. There was a groundedness to his work. And so that was why he could say no when he needed to say no. And that is why he could work with everything when he chose to work. And so as we learn to pray, we enter into this conversation, we learn the way of Jesus. But there's this other form of prayer. Prayer as an expression So it's not just about learning the way of Jesus, but also if we have a God and a God that's intimate, we need to talk. We need to be able to get what's on our mind and off our hearts. We need prayer as a form of saying and saying, this is how I feel. And no one puts words to how someone can feel like boys to men. (laughs) So in Mother's Day, when I was 15, you know where this is going. And I sat my mom and my aunt down and my, my, my younger cousin, and we, and we practiced all the parts of a song for mama because she was there for me to love and care for me when skies were gray. <laughs> Whenever I was down, she was always there to comfort me. And I just needed to let her know. She was always be the girl in my life. And so we sang to them and there were tears and it was beautiful because sometimes we just need to express what's in our hearts. And this is what prayer does. Isaiah 65, 24 says this, before they call, I will answer. While they're still talking, I will hear. The NIV and a lot of, a lot of translations translate that, that word hear, but it, it also means to listen. And I would actually prefer that as in a translation because there's hearing and there's listening. Uh, to me, le- listening is hearing with intention. And I think when we look throughout the narrative of scripture, what we find is a God who doesn't just hear you, but he listens to you. And why I love this verse so much is because God says, I already know what they need. Not only do I already know what they need, I've already put it in motion. And yet, it's not just about me doing my thing, even if it's what's best for them. It's really about me listening and having a place where they can express their hearts and who they are. And so the Lord takes the time to listen to us. And so this is why we keep a habit of prayer because we need a place to express ourselves. Lastly, prayer serves as a guide. You're wondering where I'm going to go with this. 
Okay. I was 14, 15. As I said, I'm just starting to realize the fairer sex. And I need to know, how do you get a person to love you? Enter the two preeminent voices in my life, boys to men and Mariah Carey, the love of my life, one sweet day. I did not know that that was about losing a friend early. To me, it was about not being honest and open and forthright in your communication. And so you lose out on your crush. And so at a young age, I learned that if I wanted a girl to like me, that I should probably be forthright and open with my communication and not wait around. It worked. Really taking this. <laughs> Prayer is putting us in harmony with the one who guides us. John 10, Jesus says this. He's, he's giving this whole discourse about, again, to his followers and how they should follow after him. And he says, essentially, and again in the message, let me set this before you as plainly as I can. If a person climbs over through the fence of a sheep pen instead of going through the gate, you know he's up to no good, a sheep rustler. The shepherd walks right up to the gate. The gatekeeper opens the gate to him and the sheep recognize his voice. Listen to this. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he gets them all out, he leads them and they follow because they are familiar with his voice. As we enter prayer, we learn the voice of God. And as we learn the voice of God, we learn to follow the voice of God. And it turns out that through the Spirit, God wants to direct us again on every occasion. And so by this, when we keep a habit of prayer and daily prayer, what we are saying is we are learning how to stay in harmony with God when I'm dealing with my coworker who keeps eating my food, when I'm waiting on a train that's always late. Like, how do I just calm myself and regulate myself? When I, enter, when I, have, when I lose that job or lose that promotion, how do I navigate life where I enter into conversation with the one who guides me forward? Whether I should move, whether I should make this big decision, prayer helps navigate our daily lives. So Paul wraps up. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. The reason we keep this as the, our first practice as a community is, is two part. One, it's a mandate. It's a commandment. Uh, there's a structure to these verses, and I think it's very poignant that Paul puts this as a summation of the Christian faith that he's giving to the book of Ephesians because it, it really harkens back to Jesus himself who when asked the question, so what is all this, what are the two rules we need to keep? question Jesus has asked, to which Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Be in relationship with God, 
be in relationship with other. Paul, as he summarizes the Christian faith, he says, pray to the Lord, be in relationship with God, and also pray for each other, be in relationship with one another. If you don't remember anything else, could you just try to do that? If we are going to be a spiritual people, the reason you're gathered here today, I hope is not because of this talk, not because of this music or not because of, of, of any other element in this, but because you are coming to interact with the spirit of God. If we, don't, if we aren't a spiritual people, if there's nothing here that is beyond us and beyond what anyone else on this stage can do, then we're just an organizing body. We're a social club, we're a political group. It makes us no different than any other people that meet in this building throughout the week. The thing that defines us, the thing that makes us something altogether distinct and separate is that we believe that the spirit of a living God who is above all things and calling all things in harmony is present among us, living and active. Fostering our relationship to one another. And so we have to have prayer at the center of this community. And lastly, and then the band, can, you can start heading up this way. We keep prayer at the center because it empowers. First John, another epistle but by the Apostle John, but he, he writes this. He says, this is the confidence, meaning the people of God. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, Whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. Essentially, John writes and he says, the engine that runs this whole thing is our conversation with God. And if we are in conversation, we know what's on his heart. And if we know what's on the heart of God, we can ask for it and it will surely come to pass. And as we listen to him, deep cries out to deep. And our prayers take on the prayers of God. Our requests take on the requests of God. What he cares about, we will begin to care about. And then we will speak. We will start to speak like Jesus. And his words don't return void, but they achieve the purposes for which they've been sent. And so in this community, we pray because this is how we plan. This is how we make decisions. This is how we organize ourselves. This is how we minister to one another. This is even how we have fun. There are, there are places, I've heard so many stories of you all just going out to dinner with friends and it ends up in like an all night prayer thing. So if you are new to this community, welcome. If you've been here, be reminded that we are living an intentional life, keeping intentional practices. And the first of those is prayer. And it powers everything that we do. It is the most important thing we do. Would you stand with me?
I want to give us a few invitations. First is going to be communion. The writer of Hebrews says, let us approach the God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Communion, the Orthodox Church has held, is a form of prayer. As we take the body and the blood, these elements, we are reminded and we are entered into conversation with a God who spoke first. Before we knew our need, he answered by giving his life. And now we come to the table, laying down what we bring and taking up his sacrifice for us. So in a moment, I'm gonna invite you forward and you'll be able to take communion as a response. Secondly, we're gonna sing in Ephesians 4, in that same letter that Paul wrote, he said, as he's talking about the ways in which you should live, when he makes this turn into here's how to live the faith, the very first thing he says is address one another in psalm and hymns and spiritual songs, singing. That's the very first expression of what it means to live out this faith. Make melody to the Lord with your heart, he says. And so we sing to express. This is prayer. And then lastly, we're also gonna vocalize. We're gonna speak our prayers out. Up on the screen, you're gonna see a, a prayer. Jesus, when he taught his disciples how to pray, this is the prayer that he taught them. And here's what I'm gonna invite you to do before you even start kind of moving towards communion. I, I've broken these down into kind of the, the five parts of this prayer. Remember, Paul says, pray in all sorts of ways with all sorts of requests. And the way that Jesus teaches us how to pray includes a prayer of thanksgiving, a prayer of surrender, a prayer of provision, a prayer of reconciliation, a prayer of help, I don't know which one you need to pray today, but I wonder if you think about it. And I'd wonder as you sit in your seat, I wonder if you would take a moment to just say that prayer. And if you need someone to pray with you through that prayer, there are gonna be people all up here who would love to just pray that over you and pray any other prayer. And we're gonna come back to that later, but that's gonna stay on the screen. So. I'm gonna pray for us. And so whether you're responding in communion, in singing, or in vocalizing to the Lord in conversation, I invite you to pray. So Lord Jesus, we come to dwell with you. Would you dwell with us? Amen. Come respond.